my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show where we talk about, of course, the decentralized revolution which is the way the world is breaking apart. Of course, we look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology, so we can bring context to what's going on in the world. If you look at them in isolation, it seems confusing. When you look at them together, it paints a very clear picture. Of course, technology changes the way the world works, changes the way we organize and communicate, and of course, the technology that's driving change is Bitcoin, the decentralized protocol that's changing the world. You know, I like to bring to you some education so you can learn to look at these situations differently, some latest breaking news, and of course, some interesting guests. You don't have to listen to me talk all the time. And that's what I got for you today. I'm sitting down with a returning guest and a good friend, uh, James Lavish. And we are coming to you from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where we are here for Bitcoin Ski Week. Pretty fun event. James, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me, Mark. Always good to talk to you. I know I pulled you out of uh, those meetings over there. Anything good going on over there today? Uh, all I could say is there's a lot of signal here. I mean, it's like the exact opposite of the Fed meeting in the spring, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, what's been imposed is Chatham House rules, which means uh, sort of like Fight Club. Uh, first rule about Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club. And so we're not supposed to talk about what's going on in there. You know, we kind of have this privacy as a couple hundred people of some of the you know, movers and shakers in the industry would just say that. And so we kind of have this, uh, we have this kind of privacy thing. So we can't really talk about what's going on, but, um, there is a lot of signal, you know, it's, it's good to see all the things that are being developed and built and kind of see the progress that's going on. But I think, um, you know, I gave a talk yesterday, um, at TVP, um, which is uh, Trammell venture partners is a venture capital fund. 
And um, they wanted me, they, they told me what they wanted me to talk about. Um, and they said it was the uncertainty of the global macroeconomic picture. Mm-hmm. And I gave a talk and I said, you know what? You wanted me to talk about the uncertainty, but I'm going to talk about the certainty of the ac- the macroeconomic picture. <laughs> I see where you're going. <laughs> um, you know, I said, I want to talk about the, the certainty of that. And mm-hmm. so I said, you know, there's no such thing as life as certainties. There's probabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is about as close to probabilistic certainty that we have. And so I gave this kind of talk, which uh, mirrors a talk that you gave at, uh, in Cabo a few weeks ago. Um, and and I started off first because I was talking to this room of VC, or uh, sorry, uh, venture capitalist investors, as mm-hmm. well as uh, developers building on that. And I said, what are we all doing here? Are we building a road to nowhere? Like, okay, we're building all this stuff, but like, will it go anywhere? And so let's talk about the certainty of that. And so, like I said, I, I used uh, some of the, a couple of data points that you had, uh, you had given in that talk. I started with talking about how the Fed has been fighting inflation. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went from not thinking about thinking about raising rates to then it's going to be transitory to, oh, crap, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're committed to crushing demand to bring inflation down. But the problem is they haven't brought inflation down. And instead, they've crushed the Treasury. Yeah. Is that kind of what that, what's that's happening? Fair. That's absolutely fair. I mean, look, the, the U.S. is not alone. Uh, all sovereigns, all fiat um, backed by sovereigns, are, they have they have a debt problem. They have they have a spending problem. But if we just focus in on the U.S., uh, you know, the the issue is that, quite honestly, exactly what you said is this is a certainty, and the if if the United States government if the treasury was a public company trading on the new york stock exchange we would define it as a zombie company and the the reason for that is that they they do not generate enough revenues okay to pay off the debt that they have on their balance sheet they don't generate enough revenue annually to pay the interest on their debt the only way for them to pay that interest off and pay that that gap off is to issue more debt, which only makes the problem worse. It's a zombie company. If they would, they would be rated junk status and uh, and be struggling to to issue that debt. Now you said that they, they, they don't make enough revenue to cover the interest on the debt. Yeah, they make enough revenue if they didn't pay other expenses. Right. That's, well, they, well, first. You'll agree with me on this. The U.S. government doesn't really make any revenue. They right. collect it they collect from it. the productive citizens yeah. of the United States, right? So now uh, they're collecting these revenues uh, in, through taxes, and uh, and it's exactly what you said. And so basically, if you look at it and you break it down, there, you know, there's three main mandatory expenses that you have for the for the U.S. Treasury. One of them is is your your entitlements, which is like Social Security. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and all that. Well, that adds up to three point eight trillion dollars, okay, annually. And this this just came out in in a credit in a. Uh, so that's a, mandatory expenses. These are this is mandatory. They're signed into legislation. This is this just came out in the in the Congressional Budget Office, and they put out a report um, semi periodically, just a couple of weeks ago. They put out the report that that defines what their projections are. And, and let me let me say th- these projections are they're they're pretty optimistic. 
Yeah, very and optimistic. As bad as they are, they're super optimistic, which is super troubling. troubling. This is the government's report, the CBO, Congressional Budget Office. This is the government's own report, right? So and it's super troubling, right? So, okay, so you got $3.8 million, trillion of entitlement uh, spending that's that's written into law for this and, year. And that's money they owe to people. That's mm-hmm. uh, retirement, pensions, exactly. Medicare, yeah. Medicaid. Yeah, and uh, expected unemployment costs, all that, right? right? And uh, then you've got $800 billion of defense spending. And this is what has been earmarked for de- for defense. This isn't including any extra expenses for Ukraine or anything else that's going on, right? So this is just earmarked for it. But those are long-term contracts. They can't get out of them. They have to pay them, right? So that's the second thing. So now we're at, what, $4.6 trillion. Right. Then you've got what they expect to be this year. Remember, this is ju- this was just put out. And they, they expect the, the net interest to be $700 billion on the debt that the Treasury has has issued so so seven, the government owes thirty one and a half trillion dollars to the Fed and they have to pay interest on that thirty one and a half trillion yeah and to the Fed and and, and to private citizens and to, private. And to, and to uh, whoever owns treasuries exactly so and so now now add that all up and we're at five point three trillion dollars of expenses what does the U.S. Treasury expect to take in 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 tax revenues this year four point eight trillion. So you don't have to be a math genius, and as our good friend uh, Greg Foss likes to say, yeah. it's it's not even grade eleven math. This is like grade four math, elementary. right? Elementary school. These are mandatory expenses. So then, when you add in all the other expenses on top of it, so you're at a you're at a five hundred billion dollar hole. But when you add in all the other expenses, Mark, you're at one point four trillion. That's expected this year. We're expected to 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 have a, a deficit of one point four trillion dollars. Then. And that's based off of their expectations of how much money they expect, or I should say, hope and pray to receive. Exactly. And so, um, and that's also based off of the interest being what it is and not going up higher. That's right. That's right. And so, but when you when you when you add in certain um, when you add in certain adjustments and uh, and programs and uh, and then you add in the major problem is what you what you defined before. Is that the the Fed is putting the Treasury in a very difficult position? Why is that? Well, the Treasury issues their debt, okay, at um, and we we have about thirty one point five trillion dollars outstanding. And to keep it simple, about fifty percent of that debt is being retired in the next one to three years. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, that that debt matures. Well, how do they? And that when that matures, then because the, the, because for everyone listening, um, what that means is that the debt uh, isn't just all owed next year or in thirty years. It's six months, two years, five years, ten years, thirty years, et cetera. Right. Different, different maturities. And as it matures, they have to give the 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 debt owner, the one who bought the debt, they have to give them the the principal back. Well, the treasury doesn't have that money, so what do they do to give them the the principal back? They issue more debt. So essentially, they're replacing that old debt with new debt. The problem is the interest rates on the new debt are about three to four percent higher than the old debt. So it it is creating this massive hole in the balance sheet of the treasury because now that now they are owing way more interest than they owed just last year because of the higher interest cost on the new debt. So it just becomes a self fulfilling. Spiral. It's called the debt spiral, and yeah. this is what we're in. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show coming to you from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I'm sitting down with James Lavish. You can check him out on uh, Twitter at James Lavish. Check out the Bitcoin Opportunity Fund as well. You can Google that. Uh, we're talking about the inevitability 
of what's going to happen with the global macroeconomic picture. Some of the interesting stuff you don't want to miss this. We're going to uncover this and unpack it more. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we're always talking about the decentralized revolution. And right now we're talking about the way the money is decentralizing because it's breaking apart as the Fed is trying to crush inflation. It's going nowhere, but instead they're crushing the government. Um, I'm sitting down with James Lavish. You can check him out on Twitter, at James Lavish. Also, he writes an amazing newsletter, The Informationist. It's free, I think. You still have a free version? There's a free version. There's a free version. You should definitely check it out, packed with information. Check that out and uh, check out the BitcoinOpportunity.fund as well. But um, James, so we are going through uh, basically how the treasury has to pay interest on the debt, Um, but some of the interest is... Uh, some of the debt needs to be rolled over or uh, turned over in the next year, and some has to be in 30 years. But the problem is, when does it have to be refinanced and at what rate? And what will that do to the amount that's owed? Exactly. So the current yield on the average yield on all the treasuries that are, that are outstanding right now is 1.7%. As you retire that debt, which was issued, most of it was issued earlier, which means it's lower rate. Okay, So it's under that average. Well, Fifty percent of that matures in the next three years. You have to replace that with new debt, and now you're talking about replacing it somewhere between three and a half and five percent. Problem. 
Let me ask you a question about that. First of all, 50% in the next three years sounds really bad. What's even worse is it's 30% in one year. Yeah. Now, when you say it has to get, uh, it'll, it'll get a new rate of between three and a half to 5%, will it be at the rate of what the Fed funds rate is? So right now it's going to be 5%. Where do you get the three and a half to five? Yeah, exactly. So uh, the short term, you know, anywhere from three months, six months, uh, one year, two years would be much higher rates. And then as you go further out, you go to the five year, 10 year. Got it. Okay. They're, they're at, uh, they're at lower rates. Got so, it. Okay. but it's, and here's the problem if, to simplify it for, for everyone. It, it's like a single parent who is has their mandatory expenses you've got your mortgage you got your car payment you've got food you've got to put on the table for the kids um you've got to pay your energy bill you want to keep the heat on these are things that you have to pay right so if you're if you're working two jobs you don't have any more time to work and you're just not meeting the margin what do you do well you take out a credit card and it's an obvious thing you know so you take out the credit card and you start charging food and some gas and other expenses on your credit card. And let's say hypothetically that's you get like this introductory low interest rate. Right. And then the low interest rate goes away and yeah. suddenly it spikes up from 0% or 5% up to uh, you know you're 17 18 22 28% right. okay so and then eventually you you your interest payments on that credit card are so big that now you've maxed out that credit card and you what do you have to do you take out another credit card. And it happens, and then you take out another credit card. The problem is, as you take out more and more credit cards, your credit score goes down. Your the, the interest rate on all those credit cards goes up. The problem comes becomes worse, and that's the debt spiral. That's simply what we're doing in the United States. Now, I'm not saying that the United States is going to go; uh, it, it's going to go bankrupt. And in, in, I mean, it is bankrupt, but it's not. It's not going to disappear. The, the default. It's the not going to default. Yeah, it's not going to default. You can't. It wouldn't default because we can print our own money. And we can buy our own bonds. And, and that's the inevitability. And that's the inevitability. So that's the point, right? So I saw I saw President Biden uh, or whoever writes his tweets, I think it was yesterday, said, um, the US has never defaulted on its debt. Let me be clear. Uh, you know, we're not going to default. We're going to get this debt ceiling raised or whatever. So, something to that effect. I don't remember exactly. And I, I was going to reply to it. Actually, I might saw it saved in my um, drafts. But I was like, someone should probably tell him. Maybe, maybe he ought, maybe someone should tell him that he they have we have defaulted. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, hey, someone should probably tell him, like, we've already actually defaulted. Like, if you have to take on more debt to pay old debt, like, I thought that was like a Ponzi or something. Kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's pretty simple. You operate in a deficit. You issue debt to cover that deficit at higher interest rates, causing larger deficits, leading to more debt, yeah. leading to higher interest payments, leading to larger deficits, and and, and then more debt. It, it, it's just a spiral you can't get out of. And that's where we are. So, so, so to frame this up, the... Inflation got out of control, so the Fed decided to jack the rates higher and faster than time in history. They've done that, and they haven't really had much of an effect on inflation. No. Nope. Uh, but with the interest rates going up so high, they have caused the Treasury to pay more interest on the debt, which they can't afford to do. On top of that, and I don't think you talked about this yet, or maybe, um, but on top of that, by what they're trying to do is crush demand, what they've done is um, – trying to crush demand, make people poor. Mm -hmm. And they've done a pretty good job with that. And when people are poor, then they don't spend as much, which means there's not as much tax income coming into the treasury. Right. And that's exactly right. So as we're seeing some indicators and they're kind of mixed, but when, if you if you tighten credit enough, you will run into an issue where you're going to go into a recession. It means that your, your, your productivity contracts, 
which means that your the the revenues generated for the company's contract and the the multiples on those securities that trade in the, in the stock market contract everything just feeds on itself and so it just equals less tax revenue for the government okay so again like what are their choices what can they do they they they're trying to get inflation down because they can't let it get out of control because if inflation's out of control then what what sane investor is going to buy um a bond that's based in in a in a currency that's deflating inflating meaning it's debasing um in, in perpetuity and, and at a rate that uh it, it just doesn't make sense it's it's called an, an, a negative interest rate a negative real rate so but what are their choices like what are the what are the government's choices right so the you can either have austerity yeah which means uh, live on a budget, live right. within your means. Right. So you, you can cut programs, you can cut spending, you can cut government spending. That's political suicide. No, nope. yep. neither party is going to do that. The nope. you know both parties are going to try to get the other one to do it. It's a trick, you know. Um, no, they, no, no one's ever going to be elected uh, running on a campaign to take money away from people. Correct. And uh, or you could raise taxes. Yep. Also not you know politically uh there's only so high you can go exactly and if 50 percent's about it and then the people revolt people revolt and it actually uh ultimately worsens your it it lowers gdp it 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 impacts your uh, productivity negatively and so you get the same result you're going to have lower tax revenue and or there's a third option is issue more debt which is the obvious one which is which is what we've been doing debasement but there. That's the fourth option, oh. right? So the fourth option is to well, is the, to one a, one is to default, right? Or you're not going to default, right? You're, you're not going to default. You're going to issue more debt, okay? Right. So, but it, and then one derivative from that is your point is debasement, which right. is allow inflation to run hotter than they admit to. Imagine that you know the CPI. We've seen how the CPI is is uh, yeah. has been. You've done videos about this. How yeah. the CPI is is um, manipulated. How they're kind of lying about how much um, how how well, much they, they just change the way they calculate it. Yeah. All the they're time. kind of hiding it, yeah. how much. But the point is that it, it allows them to to generate a GDP, generate revenue that the the government can collect taxes on. Uh, that's at a higher. It's just it's just more dollars. Right, because it's inflated, and then they pay down old debt. That debt that they're paying down, they're they're paying down old debt with cheaper dollars. Yeah. So it's it's called debasement, and it's called inflating away the debt. And they're going to do this for as long as they possibly can. And yeah. that's the the point that why this all matters is that money is being taken out of people's pockets every day in order to keep this Ponzi going. Period. Yeah, why does it matter? That's like always a question I try and come back to. And to me, why it matters is um, trying to get the direction right. Um, trying to get the direction right because I think if we zoom out, we'll, we'll figure that out. Oh, man, there's so much to dig into. I can't wait to dig in more. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with James Lavish. Check him out on Twitter at James Lavish and check out BitcoinOpportunity.fund uh, for more info there as well. Uh, I want to dig into um, some of the uh, constraints and the walls that we're going to hit. We're already seeing that. A whole lot to unpack. We're going to be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. 
They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with James Lavish, and we are talking about the certainty. <laughs> in life, there's no such thing as certainties. There's probabilities, but the probability is very high that we know which direction we're going, and we're talking about that. You know, uh, as we break this down, just kind of think about, like, we're trying to think about the direction things are going. So this doesn't tell us what's going to happen next week or next month, but I feel pretty good about what is going to happen over the next five years, <laughs> right? And so so the longer you zoom out, I think the, the clearer the picture gets. And so we want to be right directionally. Um, so just kind of think about that. And I think it's also one reason why you see um, even though Jerome Powell keeps going, hey, uh, markets, you don't understand. Pain, pain, pain. We're going to crush you. We're going to come down. But the markets are like, yeah, right. We know where that limit is. And so every time um, inflation comes in hotter than they expected it to, it's more sticky than they wanted. The unemployment rate is staying low. Uh, wages are staying high. All these things. Uh, all the people on TV are like, well, higher. They got to hike higher. Higher. Higher for longer. Higher. It's like this parrot, right? Higher, higher, higher. But like, how high and how long can it really go? That's right. I mean, if, if they can. There's a lot of calls that have been going around uh, over the last number of months, and 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 uh, you hear Chairman Powell talk about he's kind of invoking the the uh, the Volcker era, and he's going to be Volcker. Like he he's kind of wants to embody that. He's going to, wants to be seen as the hawk that that tamed inflation. And um, the reality is. That was at a time where debt to GDP was a fraction of what it is now, right? So what does that mean? That means that our debt was 30% of our GDP. Now it's 130%. So he can't, he literally cannot do that with without destroying the treasury. We would have to, we would have to debase so rapidly. We would have to print so much. He he can't do that because of exactly what we just said. Raise if you raise rates, okay, if you raise rates to 10% or 12% or 15%. There's no way you could get to 20%. It's just not, it's, it's mathematically, um, it's mathematical suicide for the currency. We would just, we would destroy the currency. So again, what's their choice just to, just to keep 
inflation running a little bit hotter than they may want to admit to. Maybe a lot hotter. Maybe a lot hotter, and uh, and and inflate away that debt. That's that's what it is. But look, Mark, we we have we've raised the debt limit twenty two times since nineteen ninety seven, and we're going to do it again. We're going to do again. it again. And again. again, and again, that's an absolute certainty. We're going to keep doing it. The Treasury put out a uh, a, a chart. Uh, it's crazy. This is the craziest thing. They they actually put out a report recently, and uh, the report was it was titled um, uh, it was titled an unsustainable fiscal path. Yeah, the, the U.S. Treasury put this out, and they put out this this um, this chart of what they what they think the the a percentage of debt um, held by the public is going to be right, and uh, it it looks like a hockey stick as a percentage of GDP. It looks like an absolute hockey stick. So, like when you get in out to years 20, 2050, 2060, it's like we're nearing a thousand percent. Meaning they're GDP. expecting gro- uh, the debt, the debt, the debt to just keep growing, it, yeah. and it goes straight up. It's yeah. it's actually it's unnerving to see that they first of all they that they admitted it they see it they know it but this proves that they uh, they know there's just no way out they absolutely there's just no way out and so eventually the the u.s will likely be the last currency to fail but this just there's just no way for them to get out of this problem yeah so and a a couple other things so uh there's no way to get out of the problem uh the only way they can keep servicing the debt is to take on more debt biden tweets as much I mean, he says it in his tweets. The, 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 they put the reports out and they tell us that. So, mm-hmm. like, this is not James and I sitting here thinking speculation. This is what they're saying, and this is math, right? And then you throw in things like, well, printing more money causes inflation. So mm-hmm. um, there's going to be more inflation, and they're having to print at the same time, which is a problem. But then if we even look globally, and the one thing I want to jump from is that, and I think you had talked about this, this is not just a United States problem. This is a global problem. Yeah. Right. All the governments of the world and central banks of the world are in the same basic predicament. Yeah. I mean, they you can see the cracks appearing um, all over the place. Like Japan, Japan's an interesting one because they they they've been uh, they've been running high debt to GDP for a very long time. They have a different de- demographic. They're a net exporter. We're a net importer. So it is a different uh, beast. However, um, what they've been doing recently is they've been trying to get inflation hotter. Well, why are they doing that? They keep saying we need inflation, we need inflation, we need inflation. Well, because their debt to GDP is two hundred and fifty percent already. Right? Remember, U.S. is only is only running about one hundred and thirty percent. Theirs is two hundred and fifty already. Only one hundred and thirty. Uh, really, the 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 uh, kill zone. If you're climbing Mount Everest, I think they call it the kill zone. If you could go above it, and the kill zone is like ninety percent. Mm-hmm. So we're way above the kill zone. Yeah, way above. So, um, but in Japan, they they've had they've gotten to the point where. They're they're holding their ten year treasury at at a fifty basis point uh, yield, which means that they're standing there and buying as many treasuries as anybody sells to be sure that that interest rate doesn't go over fifty basis points. So they're monetizing their own debt. What are they doing? They're printing yen and buying bonds. And now the Bank of Japan is the largest owner of all issued JGBs, Japanese government bonds, in the world. Yeah. So if we look at it like the globe, the globe's having the same problem. And then if if you look at this, then we have wars going everywhere. So now the U.S. is trying to get into war with China and Russia and Ukraine. And war is very inflationary. Supply chains break down even more. 
And mo- I would say that most of our inflation that we had is not demand side, which is why the Fed's losing. It's supply side. And so war is going to create more problems than supply side. It's also going to create um, more demand as well, right? Mm-hmm. So now we saw uh, the U.S. doesn't have enough munitions for one week in the Taiwan Strait. And so we have, uh, we're have running out of munitions to send to Ukraine. So we have to re- resupply. And I think what we're seeing is uh, uh, Zoltan Pozar had this theory of uh, going back to this commodity-based money. And so where um, people don't want to hold dollars, they want to rather hold the commodities in the ground. I saw this week Russia said they're going to reduce their oil production because they'd rather keep the oil in the ground. It makes sense. And that pushes the price of oil up, which is more inflation. Yeah, energy, like every, all productivity relies on energy, right? Um, we go, like, just put it all the pieces together. Debt in itself is not inherently bad. You can pull future productivity into the now, but when you, when you issue too much debt and, it, and you get over your ski tips, as we say, um, in the investment world, then I'm you, a dirt biker. We say over the handlebars. Okay, yeah. you get over. Your hand, there you go. I like that even better. You get over your handlebars, and but that's the problem. Um, and uh, so yeah, so that that and there therein lies the issue, right? So uh, exactly what you're saying. Uh, Ludwig von Mises, uh, arguably the godfather of uh, of the Austrian school of economics, he calls it the crack up boom, and he says, and then suddenly everybody realizes inflation is both intentional and permanent. And then nobody wants it. And so they're quickly trying to exchange it for goods and services as fast as they can. And that leads to this hyperinflationary boom. And so I think we're seeing that, you know, back to Russia, they'd rather keep the oil on the ground. Central banks bought the most gold on record last year. So over the last couple of years, they've been buying more than since 1971. No, now they bought the most on record. General Motors invested $650 million in a U.S. lithium mine. They'd rather have the lithium in the ground mm-hmm. than the money. Volvo did. LG did. Uh, and so this is like a, a really, really, really strong trend that's happening. Now, I want to um, kind of talk about what do we do about all this? What do we do about all this? So first thing is, um, if we look at a couple of examples, I, I used this chart in my um, in my presentation yesterday. If you look at the um, Zimbabwe stock market from 2012 to 2020, um, it kind of uh, it kind of meandered down a little bit, and then it shot up like a skyrocket. Uh, we know um, if, if if the Turkish lira has lost ninety percent of its value to the U.S. dollar over the last five years, so if we were in Turkey five years ago, if we had a time machine, mm-hmm. what would we have done? Yeah, you buy your Turkish stocks. We would have not wanted to hold Turkish lira. Right. We would have wanted to get into something else. Exactly. And then maybe we'd want to take debt in Absolutely. Turkish lira. Exactly. Yeah. So then you would go. Well, the well, I'm going to tell you the rest. We got to take a break. I'm going to leave you on a cliffhanger there. We're going to talk about what we should do with the benefit of hindsight and what options and opportunities we have available to us today. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with James Lavish. Check him out at James Lavish, and I'm at one Mark Moss. Check us out. Uh, check out BitcoinOpportunity.fund for more info on that. We're going to be back with more. I'm going to tell you what we should do with the benefit of hindsight. We'll be back with all that and more in a minute. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. 
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, and you have missed a lot. So you better go back and listen to it on the podcast. Just search Mark Moss Show on your favorite podcast player, or go to the Market Disruptors YouTube channel, and you can check them out over there. I'm sitting down with James Lavish, and we're talking about the inevitability of the global financial system, the United States and every other government. And I was making the case, what we want to do is we want to look at um, other experiences where we were in a similar time frame, or other time frames where we were in a similar experience, and what we would have done in, with the benefit of hindsight. And so we see the the Turkish lira over the last five years lost 90% of its value, so we would have not wanted to hold Turkish lira. We'd rather hold like U.S. dollars. Um, and so we don't – now today we can see the U.S. dollars lost 65% to the S&P 500. It's lost 45% to the median real estate. So the dollar is also doing the same thing. So um, probably just what central banks are doing, <laughs> just what GM, Volvo, and LG just did, uh, what Russia is deciding to do, we probably don't want to hold fiat – and we'd rather hold commodities. Well, one of the biggest mistakes people make in these countries is they can't get out of their fiat, right? So what do they do? They go into the stock market. So you, you play that, you know, they, they'll they buy that stock. You'll see the stock market kind of melt up. Why? Because it's the easiest thing for them. They can buy fractions of things. They don't have to buy real estate. They can right. just buy a little bit of stock. And so you see the stock market run. But what happens when they need their money out? They sell that and they get what? Back to Turkish lira, back to, or back to lira, or back yeah. to yeah, exactly. So, and that's that. Therein lies the issue. But if you get your money out of lira, yeah. So you know, uh, these companies, GM bought a bought a lithium mine. Um, I can't buy a lithium mine. The problem with commodities is that um, commodities are very hard to own. I mean, you can own some gold. If you have too much gold, you can't. You have to have someone store it for you. Obviously, I can't take delivery of a barrel of oil. <laughs> I can't have uranium in my house. Yeah. Like, right? And so commodities are very hard to own. Um, the best commodity in the world, and best is a relative term, but I like Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin is a commodity. And, and Gary Gensler, uh, the head of the SEC, has been coming out and repeating over and over and over with increasing frequency that Bitcoin is a commodity and nothing else. Mm -hmm. And I saw Bloomberg Intelligence put out a piece last year, and they said that Bitcoin, they, they expected Bitcoin to um, move into a risk-off asset. And I think we're starting to see that in some regards. And so I think about Bitcoin as a commodity, one that's going to be in massive demand if this thesis 
thesis is true, which let's, let's actually not say the thesis. If what the government and the treasury and the CBO is telling us is true, yeah. <laughs> which I believe, big. Uh, then they're going to print lots of money. And so then we want to not hold that. We want to hold commodities. Uh, Bitcoin might be the best commodity and we can take custody of it and all those things. Um, and potentially we're starting to move into this risk off asset, which uh, looks like it could be happening. So yeah, let's, let's talk about that. So um, first of all, going back to your 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 main point, which is you want to own uh, assets, right? So it, using some of Lynn Alden's uh, recent research, uh, if you had uh, if you wanted to buy one barrel of oil back in 1913, it would have cost you just under a dollar, right? So that today, one barrel of oil will cost you about eighty dollars. Wow. So if you had to held a barrel of oil all those years. Right, you, you would still have a barrel of oil. You know, exactly. So, um, or if you if you had an ounce of gold, it would have bought you about twenty two barrels in nineteen thirteen of oil, and today one ounce of gold would buy you about twenty four. So it kept your value. But there are so many problems with gold. Like you said, I have nothing against gold, but it's not the ultimate store of of value, and it's it's not easily transferable. Um, it, you can't transport it very easily. You can't cross borders with it very easily. But in in um, exact opposition to that, Bitcoin, you it, it's decentralized, it's it's immutable, it's scarce, it's easily transferable, and possibly most important of all, it's censorship resistant. Possibly, I would say it probably is. Now, <laughs> I've been a commodities investor, mostly uh, precious metals and and energy, uh, for a long time. But again, like I can't really take a barrel of oil delivery, and so like. You know, I'm not I'm not the super advanced options uh, trader, so I'm not playing a lot of gold or I'm sorry, oil futures things like that. But I like to invest through the um, oil ecosystem, so I like to buy pipelines and tankers. I like to buy drilling. Uh, you know, manufacturers are uh, creating new drilling um, technologies, things like that, and through the ecosystem. Um, same with uh, you know uh, other commodities and things like that. Um, it seems like the way the Bitcoin is kind of setting up, we're starting to see this ecosystem full of opportunities as well. Yeah, it's massive, and you've you've talked about this before, and, and you hit on this um, really hard in in Cabo, and it's about Bitcoin being the sixth technological revolution, you yeah. know, and and you know we've we've had our hydropower, we had our steam power, you had electric power, you had um, combustion, which the the uh, cars and automobiles and and airplanes, um, and then you had communicating and storing information. You had the microchips. Um, you had Intel, Microsoft software, the um, fangs, the Facebook, fangs, Apple, exactly. Netflix, and Google. All, yeah, and and and, uh, and the internet, and, yeah, yeah. And, and the internet. And now with Bitcoin, you have something that that communicates and stores value, and that's and that is the that's the the revolution that will create all of the and will disrupt. It will it will disrupt and create new areas and industries and sectors, and so. Like you're saying, you you invest not just in oil, and not just in Bitcoin, but you invest in oil drillers, you you know oil services, tankers, tankers, yeah. anything that's that's around that business, and you diversify your investment, and you can do the exact same thing in Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. There's so many opportunities that are popping up. So I know, um, you know, something I've been working with you on and, and uh, a couple other people, you mentioned Greg Foss earlier, Greg Foss and Laura Lepard and Corey Clipston, David Foley, we're working on kind of trying to create, well, not create, take advantage of opportunities that have been created based off of where we're at in the market cycle, things like that. Um, 
I want to talk about ways that maybe there's ways to get opportunities in the Bitcoin space that you're kind of thinking about or focusing on? Yeah, I mean, the, this last year, Mark, we, we've seen a tremendous amount, as you and I have talked about quite a bit, we've seen a tremendous amount of uh, of damage done to to the cryptocurrency world. Because and of market cycles. Market cycles, and but there was some, there was some nefarious activity, yeah, um, there was, there, and there was bad or no risk management. And um, and that's bled into the Bitcoin ecosystem just purely through uh, contagion, right? So whether it's in finance or payment solutions or social apps or wallets or um, nodes, whatever it may be, Lightning Network, whatever it may be, there are these startup companies that are starting to build out all of these disruptive technologies on off of that Bitcoin-based layer that have gotten themselves into um, into financial trouble, and they're called distressed companies. And some of these are great companies. They just, uh, again, got over their handlebars, and uh, and now they're in need of cash. They're trying to raise um, their next round of capital, whether um, it's a Series B or whatever it may be, and or there's some distressed miners that are publicly traded, some are privately traded. There's just a lot of opportunity in the space, and the. There's there are ways that we can and that's why we started this whole fund. We yeah. we literally started this Bitcoin Opportunity Fund in order to not just uh, not just take advantage of these opportunities, but to help these companies that we believe in that that need capital and will be vital going forward. And and that's it's just you're in that cycle right now, and the timing is right. So, yeah, you know. Um, the, the saying is, and you've all heard it, I mean, there's variations of it, buy when there's blood in the street, and, um, you know, buy when people are, um, buy when people are, are, sell when people are greedy, buy when people are fearful. Um, the problem is, is, um, you know, when you see that there's a Black Friday sale, you're willing to wait in line all night to go get that discount, right? People get trampled. Literally, people get trampled and die trying to get a discount. Uh, but yet when... On a TV. Yeah, on a TV, right? Uh, but when financial assets go on sale, people tend to, tend to be a, be afraid. So um, think about that. If you're interested in learning more about the Bitcoin Opportunity Fund, check out bitcoinopportunity.fund. You can check that out. Um, you can request more information if you want to um, check it out. But either way, think about what Bitcoin is going to do in this type of environment of what I would call almost certainty uh, when the when the government, the Fed, the CBO, the Treasury tells us what is coming next, and that is lots of money printing and debasement. And you better figure out what type of lifeboat you want to be in when this inflation tide comes to wipe everybody out. I know which boat I'm in. I'm in the Bitcoin boat. I'm in the Bitcoin ecosystem boat. So check that out. Check out at James Lavish. Follow him. Check out his information, his newsletter. Of course, I am at one Mark Moss. If you missed any of this, you better go listen to the whole thing. You can check it out on the podcast. Just search The Mark Moss Show on any of your favorite podcast players. You can check it out on YouTube, also at the Market Disruptors channel. And that's what we got. Thanks so much for listening today. Um, get on that lifeboat. Till next time. Thanks for having me, Mark. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.